Section 2 of Heraclitus, or Man's Looking Glass and Survey of Life, by Pierre Dumoulin, translated by Heyman Lestrange. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Vanity in the Nature of Man Meditation upon the Vanity and Misery of Man's Life the distracted diversity of the affairs of this world mangles our time in an hundred thousand pieces. Every business snatcheth away some part of our life. No time is ours but that which we steal from ourselves, robbing some hours to examine ourselves apart and confer with God. There is work enough to be found in these solitary meditations, but the first work to be considered is of the vanity and misery of our life, not to perplex us for it, but to prepare us to leave it. None aspires as he ought to the life to come, but he that despiseth the present. None despiseth the present, but he that hath thoroughly known it. None can thoroughly know it, but by beholding it afar off, and by withdrawing the heart, and removing the affections aside, for worldly pleasures nigh at hand dazzle and distract the judgment. Now, if we would inquire of any that hath trod this path, Solomon, in the beginning of his Ecclesiastes, entering into this meditation, cries out, Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. This great prince, who had riches without parallel, peace without trouble, honour without envy, who was obeyed of his subjects, admired of his neighbours, whose reign of eighty years gave him full scope to satisfy his mind in buildings, in multitude of horses, in all sorts of studies and sciences, whose spirit travelled through the whole course of nature, having written of plants from the cedar to the hyssop, yet when he had done, considering how much these sweets were mixed with gall, how little steadfastness in all these things, how small contentment in all this travail, concludes thus of all his labours, all is vanity and vexation of spirit. He had learned this lesson of his father before he was taught by his own experience, for David, in the thirty-ninth psalm, says, Man walketh in a vain shadow, and disquieteth himself in vain. He heapeth up riches, and cannot tell who shall gather them. Now after so excellent precedence, let us enter into this meditation, and taking the razor from their hand, let us anatomize ourselves. There is no argument of greater moment than that which treats of vanity. It is an high contemplation to discourse of our own business, for then man, despising himself, mounts above himself. This vanity mixed with misery must be considered threefold. First, in the nature of man, secondly, in his actions, thirdly, in his thoughts and desires. Vanity in the nature of man. First, to take man from his beginning, the noblest of all men, be he the son of an emperor, is formed betwixt the urine and ordure, nourished with the most impure blood of all, might easily be crushed by the least fall of the mother, or smothered with the stink of a candle-snuff. His birth is shameful, for no woman would be openly delivered. On the other side, it is a glory to kill a man, and duels bring men into reputation. Thus it is a shame to bring a man into the world, and a glory to send him out, a plain proof that the life of a man is an evil, since it is a shame to give it, and an honour to take it away. We see also he begins his life with tears, and when he is born he cannot help himself but crawls for some years in his own filth, whereas other creatures, as soon as they come forth, fall upon their feet, and run after their food as soon as they are out of the shell. Man is born under the necessity of maintaining his life with the sweat of his brows when all other creatures find their clothes laid. 
only man hath need of clothing. He that is lord of all the world is ashamed to be seen, and therefore clads himself in the spoil of another. Man alone is subject to more diseases than all the beasts together. They are not hurt with dews, nor bleed at the nose, though they hang it always downward to the ground. They know not what rumours mean, the stone tertian or quotertian algus. Man only knows these differences and feels them. Those beasts that are more domestical are more diseaseful than others, as infected by contagion. Man indeed hath reason above beasts, but he deviseth therewith how to torment himself, and strains the uttermost of his wit about painful and pernicious projects, to be subtle in suits of law, to entangle himself in other men's business, when he is glutted and full, to raise up an artificial stomach, and a desire to drink without thirst, and I know not how it comes to pass, but we are more sensible of evil than good, and troubles fret us more than all pleasures can content us. Scarce any one finds a general health, but ache in the teeth, or pain in the finger's end torments us. A drop of gall bitters a sea of sweet, and how much happiness doth one affliction countervail. End of section 2